0: You didn't have to follow Carlton to adopt Ken Hunter as a hero during the 1980s. No one in the game was braver in a brutal era, and precious few were his equal in aerial battles. He was rewarded with three flags in his first seven seasons with the Blues. Sadly, his career and his life unravelled in his last two years. At 61, life is good again for the Carlton champ. Welcome, Ken. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. You were a long time coming to Melbourne, weren't you? You were one month shy of your 24th birthday when you started with the Blues
1: yeah I did Um, I was like everybody else over in WA Uh, we all used to watch winners and uh, we all wanted to go to Victoria that's where the best footballers were and that's where you wanted to play Um, unfortunately I had a few injuries along the way
0: and I had a number of clubs that were chasing me but they just dropped off after each of the injuries well I know North were keen and uh, in typical fashion, Ronnie Joseph pulled the serviette out and made a, a proposition to you. Do you remember the details of that? I did. I uh, think, um, obviously, uh,
1: North back in those days, they had a lot of West Australian boys there. Uh, there's Barry Cable and Ross Glenn Denning, Kevin Bryant, Graham Melrose, Johnny Burns. And uh, we used to watch them on the winners. And um, Ron Joseph came over, he was interested in uh, signing me up or talking to me. And we uh, went out for dinner, and he offered me a contract written on a serviette for three years. What were the numbers, Ken? <laughs> uh, 33, 33, 33. So 100 grand for three years in the late 70s? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of money back then. I think yeah. I was probably, I don't know, on about $10,000 a year at Claremont at the time. So um, it was apart, I mean, apart from the money, it wasn't about the money, it was more about getting to Victoria and playing there. So
0: why did North drop off?
1: Well, I had my jaw broken for the third time in a state game, um, and um, I'd ring them up and they wouldn't return the call. So, really? Well, back in those days, you didn't have mobile phone or, or only had fax and or ring the office. But um, you know, I had a, a bit of bad luck with those types of injuries um, early on, so um, I guess they just didn't think I was able to, you know, play at that level. Three broken jaws in what? 18 months? It uh, would have been about 18 months. So. But back in those days, Mike, the, the, uh, all the paper and all the media said that I was too reckless, too crazy, and I should give the game away, but I was like only 19 at the time, and you know my, my career was just starting I didn 't want it to end. Now Mel Brown, was he your first coach at Claremont? Mel Brown was my first coach, um, and um, I was very grateful that he, he was the one that gave me my first game. Um, it could be very intimidating, Mel. Mm. Um, but he, he was brought to Claremont because um, we were probably considered a bit soft at the
0: time and uh, he certainly toughened the place up. He had a Richmond background, a Rich, Richmond link. Did he try to get you to punt row? He did.
1: He, 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 I think he would have liked for me to go to Richmond, but because of all the injuries and I think at the time Richmond just thought I was too skinny and they just weren't interested in halfback
0: flankers. A couple of your famous teammates uh, were boys by the name of Phil and Jim Cracker. Yes. You had a falling out with uh, Jimmy, did you not, when you were a teammate? Well, look, you know, I mean, a lot of people have said that, but,
1: you know, when Jimmy and Phil Cracker first burst on the scene in West Australian football, you know, they brought a lot, a lot of people back to the game. They were absolutely brilliant. I've never seen two more brilliant players, brothers, Indigenous players, that um, just took the football world by storm and they Jimmy and Phil you know, Jimmy Although was, was no a competitive little bugger, <laughs> um, and Phil, you know, he, he had some real sense of humour about him and had some great one-liners, and so I liked him a lot. Um, but there's one day at training where, you know, I'd beaten Jimmy to the ball a few times and he, he didn't like it. And um, as we got up, you know, from one particular contest, he was about to throw a punch, and so I threw a punch back. And so, so yeah, there's a big punch on at training, and they called it off and called cool uh, training off. Called cool training off. Yeah. Um, went into the showers, Sort of was all settled down. Jimmy came in and he wanted to keep it going. In the shower? In the showers. And a uh, good mate of mine, Johnny here at the time, tried to intervene and he caught one across his eye. And Did he? Yeah, and so Jimmy then wanted to go on with it and uh, out in the oval with <laughs> uh, me and Phil and
0: uh, Johnny and him. So thankfully, we, you know, things sort of settled down. 1981, your first year with the Blues. My memory, I knew you then, you were shy, I reckon, and um, almost a bit intimidated by Melbourne, as my memory is. When you arrived at Carlton, and as good as they were, were they welcoming? Did they give you the impression that you were going to have a spot there? (laughs) Uh, Look, I think initially,
1: you know, um, when I first came over, we ran up and down those hills for a couple of hours, and I was exhausted, and I was about to, you know, call to my car and drive off. And I hear this voice next to me go, hey, mate, where are you going? And I l- looked across and it was Mark McClure. And uh, I said, well, I'm going home. He goes, no, you're not, follow me. So we went straight to the nearest pub. <laughs> and then after training, all the other boys, they all went to the pub. There they were, you know, having a beer. They had no idea who I was. They couldn't care less about what your reputation was anyway. I mean, you had to prove yourself. So, um, But, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, they were a pretty tight group, so... Mm. Uh, they weren't about to let any interstater come in easily. How was Trevor Keogh's welcome? (laughs) Well, Trevor, I mean, he's a great bloke and he can't remember it, but he said to me, "Oh, what position do you play, mate? And I said, well, this is at the pub. And uh, he goes, oh, well, I said, halfback flank. And he goes, well,
0: good luck. There's only about five (laughs) All-Australians in the back line. (laughs) They called you Roy, didn't they, at the Blues? What's the origin of that? Well, they had uh, like a family
1: day in, in one of the suburbs out in Melbourne and um, the comp here at the time got up and said, oh, I'd like to introduce Carlton's latest recruit, Roy Hunter from South <laughs> Australia.
0: <laughs> so he got that badly wrong. But You wouldn't, but want, the, wouldn't <laughs> want to have come over with a big head? Uh, no, no, absolutely. How would you have been six months later when you were best and fairest in your first year in a premiership team?
1: Look, that was amazing, Mike, because... Um, you know, all you want to do is come over and prove yourself in playing in the best competition. Um, but to be able to you know, play in a grand final in, in your first year against probably you know, the greatest rival, Collingwood, mm-hmm. uh, at the MCG with 115,000 people, was just an unbelievable experience. How'd you go? Uh, look, yeah, not too bad. I think um, obviously, um, you know, you, you, when you walk up that race and you know you can hear the crowd, and then you get out in the ground and. You hear this almighty roar and you look up and you think, yeah, this is what it's all about. And, um, Nerves or not? I wasn't too bad. No, I was pretty good, actually. Um, played on Peter Dacos and Dacos was a, a bloke that was um, tough to play on because he only had to get two or three kicks mm. and he could, you know, turn the game. So the concentration levels to play on a ball like him were, were extreme.
0: You talked before about the broken jaws. I'm interested in concussion because you, the way you played your footy, it was just... Fearless, and, I mean, you, you, and uh, in that era, if you were in front going for a mark, you knew you'd get a belt in the head, didn't you? Did you were you concussed? In in the strict sense, a lot of times.
1: Uh, look, I, I reckon I was trying to think about it the other day. I reckon there was probably three or four times where I was completely knocked out, carried out off in the stretcher. Um, and there's probably I reckon at least fifteen to twenty, maybe more, where. Yeah, you know, you've been hit in the back of the head, um, or hit hit on the ground, where you just play on memory, yeah. where and eventually you come good, um, and that certainly happened in the in the grand final in '82. Um, Jimmy Jess cleaned me up early, and accidentally or deliberately. I, I was there to be taken out, and and he did it, you know, and, and so fair enough, um, but. I was taken off and uh, I, can't, I can't even recall coming back on the ground until probably I, I came on after, I don't know, 20 minutes on the bench, I guess, and uh, I don't recall going back onto the ground until half time when I sort of had about 15 minutes just to be able to realise where mm. I were.
0: That marking, the way you attacked the footy and certainly the stuff in the air, were you like that as a kid? Was that just natural to you? To sort of, You saw the ball and you just wanted it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um I, I guess um I just learned early on I I guess that you know, to play footy that if if you wanted to play well you wanted to be you know uh in the best players if you, you just had to get the footy and um I was a reasonable mark um really? so are well, reasonable, a reasonable <laughs> mark. So I guess that um I just had the attitude that you know if the ball's there to get just Try and get it and
0: don't worry about the consequences. Now, I heard this fanciful story yesterday, Ken. Yes. That uh, the <laughs> year you won Mark of the Year, I think it was 1983? 83, yeah. Yeah. You won Mark of the Year and a bloke called Buzzasto your teammate, rang Channel 7 and complained <laughs> about it. Is that true? it? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't possibly be true, could it?
1: Well, Buzz wouldn't do something like <laughs> that, would he, Mike? Um, he's a great fella. Uh, and most uh, what, no, I, t- I took Mark of the Year on Channel 7 and it was probably... It wasn't a spectacular mark, but it was probably one of those where you're going back with the fly of the ball. Mm. Um, Buzz took one in on the ABC in one market a year, and I think he might have won a bike. And <laughs> I, he wasn't too happy because I won a car. And he was. He rang up and thought that his mark was better,
0: allegedly. He so he did ring. I... I don't know for sure, Mike, but you're, you just told the story. <laughs> well, I, I can't say that you've refuted it. You weren't bad forward, actually. I, when In my research, I mean, you, you kicked um, plenty of goals. You kicked five or more goals nine times in your career. Did you know that?
1: No, that was a, that's a surprise. Um, and funny, again, talking about concussion, I'd never played up forward before, and it was in 1983, and we were playing at Victoria Park. And I went up for a mark and got hit in the back of the head by Graham Teesdale. so I was knocked out crying in at half time, and uh they decided you know we'll put him up forward yeah so ended up going up forward and we kicked three goals and we ended up winning the game so from that point on, I think l a uh might have found themselves a forward. you you won the goal kicking one year, Carlton. I did yeah yeah, yeah. eighty three um yeah. I ended up kicking forty three for you know for the second half of the year, that was you know, after the grand, after Victoria Park. Um, so, so I ended up playing up ward, which wasn't probably where I was best suited, but had to go and do a job.
0: Kenny, you had um, four grand finals and three flags at the end of 1987. What happened then your career just seemed to go off the rails and you were gone less than two years later look I think 87 you know we won the flag under
1: extreme sort of circumstances you know we lost the grand final in 86 against against Hawthorne badly um, 87 you know we had Peter Motley who was badly injured in a car accident mm-hmm. Desi English had um, cancer and uh, we played Hawthorne again in 87 and uh, able to turn around and we won that game and and we won it really well 88 you know things started to go off the rails a little bit you know um for the team or you for the team for team and, and for both um you know we probably weren't playing as well as what we could um Wolsey was getting frustrated and um i think he started to take that frustration out on the players
0: Wolsey in his younger years i think it's fair to say He was brutal occasionally bordering on bullying did that style didn't suit you did it I don't react to that type of um, Mm.
1: coaching myself personally Um, and I don't know many players that really do to be honest but um, you know Wolsey he he could be he could be uh, brutal um, unrelenting uncompromising all those things savage um, at training but also in what he might say to the players um, and I think that, you know, he was getting frustrated throughout '88, and um, then uh, probably halfway that through that year, I was dropped for the first time in my career. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: How did you cope with that? Well, I, I coped sweet, um, which you do. But um, I went back and played in the twos, um, and it just became a roller coaster after that. I started taking sleeping pills. I wasn't sleeping. All I wanted to do was sleep, um, so I just trained harder and harder. The harder I trained, the worse I got. Um, just got to the point where I thought I was going insane. Mm. Um, uh, didn't know what was, what was wrong with me. Um, didn't know who I was anymore. Couldn't focus on the footy. Tried to play, but I was just you know in and out of the side. Got to a game in, in uh, Brisbane. We were playing uh, at Carrara. And um, I had about eight sleeping pills, couldn't sleep all night. Got up, it was one of those windy, hot, 30 degrees, humid mm. days. Ran out in the ground and I was out there, but I was in a horror movie. I didn't know where I was or what was going on. I knew I was in trouble after that, big trouble. So um, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want to tell anyone because you know, back then it was, could have been seen as a, as a weakness in your character. Yeah um didn't want to admit to it did uh, you know
0: did you know that you had a, a mental issue n-
1: no i i had no idea what it was i knew it was something bad but i didn't know what it was fortunately after that um i got back to melbourne and i thought oh, i didn't know what to do and i thought oh. so i rang up a, an old doctor a guy called richard ward mm-hmm. and yeah. um, i went and saw him and um, he sent me straight to a psychiatrist and um, they sort of explained what it was. And so at least I knew what I was dealing with because I had no idea. I, but I still couldn't accept it. I couldn't accept the fact that I had to take medication. Couldn't accept the fact that I couldn't see it, I couldn't touch it. I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't want to know about it. And I thought I could beat it. I, you know, i have beaten everything else in my lifetime at various times and, and as tough as things have been. And I thought I could get through this. Uh, but the harder I tried, just the worse and worse it got. And I was just in got into a really dark place, Mike, that um I just didn't know that I was ever gonna get out of. Mm. You and you went did were you admitted to the Melbourne clinic? I was. Yeah. Um I came back. Um uh Carlton were playing in the in the preliminary final.
0: This we we're in nineteen eighty eight. In eighty eight. Yeah.
1: And um I, uh, the, the club, they flew me up to the Gold Coast because people were asking questions about where mm. I was, um, where was he? And um, I think they, you know, they obviously wanted to protect me, so I flew up to the Gold Coast with my wife Mandy and um, the preliminary final was, was on and I was just walking around the streets of the Gold Coast. So I, d- I couldn't, couldn't listen to the game because if Carlton had got through and played in the grand final, I just don't know what would have happened. Mm. After that. I don't even know what I would have been here.
0: That's how bad it was. Gee. So the issue is, it seems, sounds like it was centred entirely on, on football, but was there big? were there other issues in your life that were contributing to that? No, not really. I think um, initially it was probably, you know,
1: football, but as it went on and on, then it uh, just got, you know, bigger and bigger, that things become bigger. You know, it's all about y- your life and mm. who you are and, you know, you, you, you beat yourself up and... Um,
0: yeah, it becomes more than just football what, what was mandy saying
1: look she was you know, she was obviously really concerned, and you know, we'd only been married for a year um, and when all this happened, so you know, she you know, she, I certainly wasn't the bloke that she married and um, mm. and uh, she had no idea either and you know she was really, really concerned.
0: you said a couple of moments ago that you don't know what would have happened had the blues made the grand final what did you mean um well I was
1: probably um I w- was suicidal at the time I, you know, um and did uh, you know you
0: were with can you remember those thoughts in your in yeah, your mind yeah, yeah
1: I can I, I i do I remember it vividly and um, I think that I got to the point where you know the the options were you know either either go go through the floor or you do something about it so um I took myself back to the Melbourne Clinic and um, had some further further treatment. Mm. Um, but at the end, Mike, I, I thought, you know, we don't know how our career's going to end. Um, you know, you can't say how and when, uh, but that's not the way I wanted it to end. So I sort of set myself, I was lucky I had another year on my contract. That's for '89? For '89, yep. And uh, I said to Manny, I said, oh, I'm going back. She goes, no, you're not. I said, I, I, I've got to go back. I don't want to finish like that. That's not the way I want to finish my career. As long as I go back and play one game, mm. i would be happy. So I just rocked up to training. Uh, no one said anything. Um, don't know if they knew
0: uh, what happened. Uh, but I just went on and I was able to play the one game. And... But surely people people at the footy club, when you're a, you're a decorated triple premiership player, Who's clearly having some issues in his life, major issues in his life? Didn't they come to you? Didn't didn't they sort of want to help or, or sort of uncover the reason? Look, Mike, I, I, I'm sure they did, but I, I
1: think back in those days, um, you know, talk about mental illness back then, mm. you know, people were just well. There was a stigma, wasn't there? There was a stigma. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know, probably didn't know how to approach people to talk about it. Um, so. I, I, I kind of understood why perhaps people didn't want to approach you, um, but I was also surprised that no-one did. Yeah. But I just rocked up and it was like nothing happened. And
0: So in 88, Ken, when, when Wolsey was the coach, and clearly there was some tension between the coach and you, did he come to you? Did he try to sort of unravel the mystery? No, no. Right. Um, no-one
1: did. Um, you know, the doctors, the coach, the reserves coach, the coaching staff, nobody. Um, so, and I didn't mind. I mean, it was probably a personal battle for me to get mm. through. And um, so I, I didn't feel like I, I wanted any help anyway or needed help that I could do it myself once I understood where I was at.
0: Did you admit yourself... Did you have yourself admitted to the Melbourne Clinic or did Richard Ward um, facilitate that? Uh, he facilitated
1: my initial contact with, with a professional person, mm-hmm. which is... Um, what I needed to
0: see yeah. at the time. Did you fall out of love with footy? And
1: I never, I don't think I ever fell out of love with footy because that was, you know, that's all I wanted to do as a kid, play footy. Um, probably fell out of love with, with, um, you know, the systems, mm. the structure, um, the way that, you know, you just want to play the enjoyment of playing footy. You know, what you did as a kid to be able to enjoy football and go out there and perform and come off and then enjoy that camaraderie with your mates and feel like that you've really achieved something. So, so no, I, I, I never fell out of love with the game.
0: Ken, do you think if, if your career had have gone the way you wanted it to and you'd played two more years and you'd played the footy that you were expected to play, do you think the mental issues would have still surfaced?
1: Um... I don't know. I mean, h- how do you know, I Malik? Mean, how-, how does anyone know?
0: Because lots of blokes, lots of blokes as good as you, you know, the, the elite level of footballers, they've had to cope with s- similar stuff, haven't they? Well, they have, and, and
1: I didn't know that. Um, I suspected it. Um, as you know, Caroline Wilson rang me up.
0: Yep. You were brave, I must say. I-, I compliment you on your bravery. At that time, players didn't talk about their mental demons, did they?
1: No, they didn't. And uh, when Caroline rang me up and asked whether I'd be prepared to talk about it, I mean, I had to think long and hard about it. Uh, I had to talk to my family. I spoke to David Parkin, who I respect greatly. Um, Spoke to my place of employment, currently United Breweries, Mm -hmm. as to whether there's going to be any issues. I was that worried. Uh, But I felt that, you know, I had to, if I didn't talk about it when I had the chance to talk about it after Caroline rang me, uh, that it might be something that I regret because it was something I wasn't ashamed of. Um, it was something that I wanted the AFL to know that there's an underlying issue here that they should be aware of, and um, and I wanted people in in society to understand that. Look, it just doesn't happen, you know, with with um, general people, society as well, yep. but it all, also happens within sport, and. Um, and after the story broke i was i was um, I was really surprised you know just how many how much media attention then came my way i wasn't prepared for it uh, and then a, a number of other players rang me and said they'd been through um, you know uh, their own similar stories, so then I knew that yeah it was bigger than what I'
0: thought so there's no recurrence you you, you haven't been in any situation since football where you've been worried about how you were going yeah no no i've, I've been Fortunately, up to
1: this point, very lucky. I mean, well, not lucky, but I haven't had any any uh, signs of any further depression. Medication? No medication either. So I've been not to say that it couldn't happen. I mean, it could happen to anyone, um, and statistics will tell us that. But um, no, I've 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 been I've been good. I mean. Like anybody else, you, you know you get sad, you get sad, mm. and mm. you know uh, sometimes, maybe if I'm not sleeping well i
0: I might get a bit anxious, but that's yep. about it. Carlton's big on reunions as the as the old Carlton is entitled to be, given they won so many flags. When you and Wolsey cross paths there, are you okay?
1: Look, we are look, I've seen Wolsey a few times at, at different functions, but once again, we've never really sat down and spoke about what happened through that
0: period and um would you like him to
1: look if, if well, I
0: always thought that we might at some point in time, but we just haven't got around to it. Ken, here's a photo that'll bring back a few nice memories for you and and, and a good haircut too. <laughs> yeah. I was wearing a wig there, Mike. 87, you played forward that day. Yep. Um, the third of the flags. Yep. At that point, did you think it was just going to go forever? Did you think there was any hint to you that it mightn't go for another four or five years? Um, look, I... At the time, I thought
1: I, I had a few years left in me. I, I've always been pretty honest, I think, with my football. I've never really got ahead of myself. I've always been honest about it. Um, and I, I, after the 87, yeah, I, I thought i still had a, two or three years mm. left. Mm.
0: I've always, I always ask brave people this question. Now, talking about bravery, Wolsey said that you and Gary Crane were the two toughest players you ever saw play the game. He said your bravery was scary. Was there ever an occasion on a football field that you were tentative or worried about where you were going? Yeah, you know, there's some tough boys out there at
1: different times. I'll tell you one bloke, I guess that you always a bit knew that was around. Not that he, not that he, he, he got me at any time. But playing in the back line, you always knew that Dermot Burton was around. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you He'll could, love this. You, yeah. you <laughs> could, you could, and he was, He's, a, he, I like Dermot. He's, a, he's a good bloke as well, and. Uh, But you could certainly... You knew he he was around and you could feel his presence. And he never got you? eh? Never got me, no. I don't think he... Probably had a chance a few times. He would have had a lot of respect for the way you played footy. Well, look, Hawthorne were a great side back Mm -hmm. then. They had some great players and we used to have some uh,
0: great games against them. Uh, You know, Dipper and uh, Dermot and Tucky and all those guys. You didn't give him any lip in 87, did you, when Rhys Jones was stitching him up? No, I didn't. I was up the other end, but... um, you know, Reece, Reece played
1: a great game that day and, and I'm really glad for Reese that he won the Norman Smith and so, you know, he, he hasn't, I mean, because he could really play footy and, mm-hmm. and people probably just remember him more for the times that he got reported. But he, he was a great player, Reese and to win the Norman Smith on that day was a credit to him.
0: You're still doing some work with an old teammate of yours in Kenny Sheldon. What are you doing? Well, Kenny, yeah, he, you know, I've been retired for a couple of years and he
1: said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, not a great deal. I've been travelling with the missus. And he said, well, let's get out and do some work. So um, we've been doing some um, coaching and mentoring for corporates, Mike, so
0: that's been keeping us pretty busy. So what's the thrust of your message? If, if we called you into Fox to address the troops, what, what is the, the theme? The theme for me,
1: well, well, there'd be a lot of themes, but I think the message would be that if you are having difficulties... Um, please go and talk to your doctor. Um, Talk to your friends. Uh, Early intervention is the best.
0: Um, Talk to somebody and and you can get through whatever you're going through. Is that a lesson you learned the hard way? Did you talk to enough people in your situation?
1: Uh, No, I didn't talk to people um, because I thought I was a big, tough footballer. (laughs) Uh, I can get through this, don't need any help, don't need any medication, I can do it on my own. Um, and I think that's the hard lesson I learnt.
0: You were a great player, mate, and I can honestly say that those of us who didn't necessarily have a deep affection for Carlton love watching you play. Every time you're on the ground, there was a highlight coming. So it's great to see and it's great to see you in such good health.
1: appreciate it, Mike. Good on you. Thanks, Kenny. OK.